Hello, this is Media Said What with Jacob. And I'm Cole. Uh, thanks for joining us again for our second episode uh, where we'll be discussing today uh, um, The Godfather, the 1976 72 classic. I'm sure one of the sequels came out in 76 and probably <laughs> part two. But we're talking about the first one today, the 1972, which some would contend is the best one, but others won. We'll get into that. But, um,. I guess first, what do we start with? We start with the, should we get into the backstory? The, yeah, the history, the history and context. Well, so. first, you want to remind listeners what this podcast is. Uh, yeah, so th- again, this is Media Said What. It's a podcast. It's a spinoff of our other podcast, He Said What, which is a dating podcast. And this podcast is sort of a media review podcast where we plan to review every piece of media that has ever been released or created and rank them in one list. And so last week we reviewed Hurricane of Fun, The Making of Wet Hot, a documentary about the making of Wet Hot American Summer. Amy Rice by Amy Rice. Yes, Um, which is currently sitting at one on our list. Right, right. Um, I'm very curious if that's going to (laughs) change tonight. But uh, yeah, that's... that's, Yeah, I I, I feel pretty good about this list so far after uh, the second episode, but I think... Yeah, I definitely feel like, at least up to where we are right now, there's not a single person in the world that can, that can disagree. <laughs> right. No one could disagree with the way that we ranked Hurricane. But I felt our discussion was good, and I look forward to applying that. Yeah, and we got a lot of good comments, so yeah, thank you all for the comments true. you left on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Keep reading them. We do read all of them. Did you see the tweets? I did not. I, I can't. We, I don't have Twitter, so I can't. And it gets, cuts me off after a certain point, but it seemed like every time I would click it, to update the top one, which is all I can see, would be a different tweet. So it seems like multiple people have tweeted. Uh-huh. I should have taken screenshots of them. Well, later. that's really exciting. Anyway, we're so glad that y'all are enjoying the podcast. We really obviously love making it and appreciate yeah. your continued patience as we kind of work out the kinks a little bit. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's plenty of, plenty of kinks. Uh, Amen. <laughs> so uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for your continued uh, interest um, to the fans of He Said What. Come on, we owe it all to you. Uh, to new fans who are joining us, I hope we get a new fan base based off of just this. Um, I'm sure many of you have seen The Godfather, probably more than Hurricane of Fun. Yeah, I would assume so. I had seen The Godfather, unlike Hurricane of Fun. You hadn't. Yeah, I had not seen The Godfather prior to this. I feel like it was always one of those movies that people would reference so often, and its place in the yeah. cultural zeitgeist was kind of so large that it was very intimidating to approach, so... I'm definitely very grateful that we were able to approach it through this project and that yes. it kind of gave me an excuse to watch something that I've been meaning to watch for a very long time. And just to be clear, I also rewatched it for probably the third time, but I didn't. This is all a fresh. We just have, we're having a fresh reaction to yeah, it. Yeah, we just finished watching it probably about 15 minutes ago. Yeah, so you're going to be listening to a very hot off the press take on it. But yeah, just going over some of the history. Now, we watched the 4K version of this movie, which I can strongly recommend. We were a little hesitant to, but. If you're on Amazon, I don't know how much more expensive it is. I don't think I've ever actually rented a 4K version of a film. I always assumed the TV couldn't play it, but this one could. Uh, and it was beautiful, I thought. It looked beautiful. I can't speak to the sound. The sound was a little strange at points, but that could just be old film. But um, it looked great, and maybe, I don't know if it coincides with the 50th. I don't know if this was a particular version released for the 50th anniversary, which for the major Godfather heads out there, it's the 2022. Um but, it, hey, whatever they did to remaster this version, I, I highly 
recommend. Running at 176 minutes, again, which probably why I confused 72 with 76, but it was released in 1972. And uh, I mean, this is probably just, everybody knows this, but it's directed by legendary film icon Francis Ford Coppola, um, uh, father of... Um, what other movies is Francis Ford Coppola directed? <laughs> father of many other movies, yeah. It's uh, 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 a legitimate question, I don't know. Uh, his big other one, which I've seen, um, is uh, Apocalypse Now, which also stars Brando and Robert Duvall. Great movie. I'll, uh, it'll definitely be interesting to maybe weave that into some of the conversation, at least to my to, in my reaction to this film, because there are some similarities. I haven't seen Apocalypse Now for a while, but again, another one of those American classics. I inevitably, we'll hit it on this list at some point or another, so it'll be interesting to... But he has some other ones that aren't as... Um, it's funny. He's, for a filmmaker who is widely regarded as one of the best, he has some duds. His career started off with some strange films, a, a sort of, a, I forget the title of it, but it was a sort of uh, Mrs. Robinson-esque, uh, what's that movie called? Mrs. Robinson? You're not talking about The Graduate. The Graduate, sorry. Yeah, I'm mixing it up with the... He directed The Graduate? No, but he directed oh. uh, sort of a B-movie version of The Graduate as one of his <laughs> debut films. Um, sort of a college sex rompy movie. Okay. And some, that was his debut. And then he made, I, he made some bizarre musical about a leprechaun and there's some weird race stuff going on. I think there's blackface in it. I can't remember what it's Gideon's Rainbow. Gillian's Gideon's Rainbow. I, I should have this in the notes, but this is it's sort of an obscure movie I only recently found out about. So some strange movies to start with, but he's someone who doesn't like to get restricted by genre. He's worked in a bunch of different genres. So after Rainbow, Finian's Rainbow, Finian's Rainbow. Uh and then uh, this movie came along, and this movie was born out of Mario Puzo's, Puzo's, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, book, which was a national bestseller, international bestseller, um, sold widely, something we forget about, because I only ever hear about the movie. It's not like, I haven't met many people who talk about reading the book. I sort Nor of have I. Was, yeah, yeah, one of those movies better than the book situation, but it was a very popular book at the time. The idea of it being made into a movie was, was, was all across Hollywood. Eventually, a very avid producer got his hands on it by the name of Ethan um, Lowell, I think. I, Ethan, I was looking at it this morning. Um, he gets his hand on the, on the book, The Rights, and he very distinctly, or very, 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 very adamantly demanded it be directed by an Italian filmmaker, someone who could bring an Italian-American influence to oh. it. Um, because as you can imagine, there were a lot of names being thrown around by you know people wanting Spielberg to direct it, people wanting... Um, uh, plenty of directors who, I mean, Scorsese is obviously Italian. Not sure why his name wasn't wasn't picked because he certainly had a more lucrative career at the time. But uh, eventually, they landed on Coppola. Coppola's big sell was, hey, he knew he knew what the story was. He had a cultural connection to it, and uh, they felt, like I said, that it really needed an Italian American influence, and that was what friends brought friends for Coppola to it. He was he was a little hesitant because he he's someone who really wanted to work in sort of an old Hollywood feel. This is the 70s. Hollywood's, Hollywood's the edgiest it's been. Scorsese, you know, the Brat Pack are bringing this new feel to films that ha hasn't really been seen before, where it's just grimy, you know, you know, the limits are being pushed rating-wise. PG-13 hasn't been invented yet, so the spectrum, you know, there's a lot of... The best movies of that time are rated R. And uh, because of that, they've got some real dirty you know, undertones to them. And there's just this grimy feel that movies nowadays are just 
clamoring to get back to, but it's why it's widely considered the best era of film ever. Um, meanwhile, Francis Ford Coppola and his buddy George Lucas, who was his, later went on to create um, uh, what, Star Wars 77, I think, uh, but they're trying their best. They went to school together. They were trying to create the San Francisco film movement. And uh, Coppola had this dream that he wanted to return to old Hollywood, the old Hollywood feel of just sound stages and filming everything indoors. Uh, and he later created a production company with that, that embraced that. And it was it, it flopped. But he, he spent he used all the money he got from his godfather, Apocalypse Now, uh, 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 um, I believe they were right after each other. The, that joint, that dual success, to uh, fuel this weird, soundstagey uh, production company with Lucas, and it just—they spent way too much money. And the first movie he made was a bizarre, another movie musical that was all filmed indoors, trying to bring back that old Hollywood feel, and it collapsed, and they lost all the money. And to this day, it's—it's it's, that's lamented on by being, oh, he was trying to do something new. And if it was if it was a better for if they had had a better initial film, they could have it could have changed Hollywood forever. But that's all in the future, and we'll get to those movies later. The, this is just that's how successful The Godfather obviously was. Is it just made his career, and then Apocalypse Now too, obviously. But I mean, it, it's 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 one of the greatest movies ever. You know, that's at least how we talk about it. And um, I'm sure we'll get into our personal takes on that. I'm especially interested in yours. But uh, that's just how big it was. Um, and, uh, and it still is Francis Ford Coppola's um, baby. I guess the whole trilogy is, and many people consider the second one to actually be superior. I haven't seen it. Um, but I'm very interested, especially after this recent rewatch. Trying to see if there's any more details to talk about, about the history. Yeah, gotten to uh, Francis Ford Coppola's backstory. Uh, Al Pacino wasn't the initial pick for Michael Corleone. It was um, Jack Nicholson, actually. Really? Yeah. Damn. But Jack Nicholson turned it down because he said it should be played by an Italian actor, an Italian, so which is interesting. You know, still We're today, very progressive for the yeah, time. It literally gets touted today as one of the most like a progressive, a surprisingly progressive take for Jack Nicholson to have. Who knows? Maybe he just didn't want to be in it, um, and that's definitely been an excuse used for you know, uh, you know. I, there's a great story of. Um, legendary action star Adam West passing down James Bond because he thought it should be British. So maybe it was just something Jack Nicholson heard as a good excuse to get out of The Godfather because this certainly was not expected to be as big of a success as it it ultimately became. But watching it, couldn't help but wonder... I'm a big Nicholson fan. I, 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 there's some moments where you know I, I was wondering what it would be like, but at the end of the day, I do think Al Pacino was the right choice. And to think that this is the movie that springboarded Pacino's career, it'd be kind of sad to imagine a world without Pacino. Um, so that's just an interesting casting choice. Brando was the first pick. Um, those were sort of the only casting um, casting things I thought would be interesting to bring up, but I definitely wanted to bring the Nicholson thing piece up. Um, yeah, that's, I think that's all. That's, yeah. Man, okay. Any so questions you got for the history? Questions. So, Coppola directed all three movies. Yes. Okay. I guess it's interesting. I had assumed I would have seen one of his movies, just like, yeah. you know, without realizing it was one of his movies, but I guess that I nope. haven't. I have seen Lost in Translation, directed by Sophia Coppola. Sophia Coppola, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And liked that film. She's in Godfather Part 3, and no notoriously way. horrible, giving a notoriously horrible performance. Really? Again, I can't speak to it, but it's joked about online all the time as being 
one of Francis Ford Coppola's worst mistakes in his career. He's casting his own daughter oh. in a substantial role in that film. It was before she turned director, obviously. But I'm uh, wow! I'm excited to to see it when we get to Godfather Three. Yeah. I quite enjoyed Pacino in this role, actually. Yeah, um, it was really interesting. I sort of at the beginning wasn't one hundred percent sure that it was Pacino. I just right. I, I've seen him mostly in older roles and it was like I kind you mean, of knew like him as an older guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah Sorry, yeah. him as an older man. And um even though I kind of have a sense of like what his face was like, I didn't know for sure that he was in this movie. Yeah. And so in the beginning, when he first appeared on screen, I didn't really know that it was Al Pacino. And I also didn't really know what characters the movie was going to center on. Exactly. And so I had the very pleasant experience, I think, of from the first moment Al Pacino came on screen, sort of gravitating toward his character, wanting to see more of him, and then getting a lot more Pacino through the rest of the movie. So that was actually very, um, very rewarding for me. And it was like, it rewarded the feeling of going in blind, because I truly didn't know that it was him or that it was going to center on him. Yeah. And uh, I quite enjoyed that. He's, um... It's a very different Pacino than, and we'll get into that, but I, I totally understand what you're, it's, it's like a totally different person all the way down to the voice. Um, and one thing I'm just thinking about, you know, there's that iconic story of Stephen King had a major issue with Jack Nicholson being in The Shining because he felt you could tell he was a crazy person from the beginning. And the whole point of that movie is you don't necessarily know. He, if he's, it's surprising that he becomes a lunatic. Um, Although, not much of a surprise it happens within the first few minutes. But this, I can imagine, if Jack Nicholson was playing this role, I'd be suspicious of him probably from the beginning. Just because he, he's that actor. There's always something boiling on the surface. You want to believe, and you do believe, that Pacino is the one who's going to make it out of this crime family um, with as little blood as possible. You know what I mean? I, I buy his uh war hero story and his his conscience more than i think i would jack nicholson's absolutely and in that first scene when he's protecting his it's not the first scene in the movie but in one of the early scenes where he's sort of transitioning to the dark side if you will when he's protecting his dad in the hospital which i thought was a very effective scene oh i did have the feeling of like oh he's just doing this because he loves his dad you know there's like this inner conflict going on and i felt like he was he was deigning to do it, but it wasn't a world he was going to fall into. And, uh, you know, spoiler alert, yeah. then he did. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I thought he was, a, he was a very interesting character. And I, I, I found Pacino super delightful in the role, actually. I'm, I'm really glad you gravitated towards him because if we end up talking about characters, as we will, as we did with Hurricane of Fun, that we found particularly yeah. um, fun to watch, I, I, I adore his performance. I think it's a great performance, but... He's maybe later on that list than you'd expect. So mm. to hear that maybe he's... Anyway, why don't we start at the beginning? Uh, starts with the the classic eerie sort of uh, music, theme music. Although I wouldn't... Cole and I keep humming different songs. That I'm not... But then there's... I don't know which would be the theme song. But the one you just hummed is the first, first music we hear. Uh, Paramount Pictures Presents... Followed by Mario Puzo's The Godfather in this classic Godfather font, which is, you know, sort of uh, one of those classic Hollywood fonts. Um, interesting that the author's name is in, yeah. in the title and in nearly just as big letters and just something you don't really see that often. It probably is a testament to how successful the book was. Well, and now hearing you talk about Coppola's career up to this point. Yeah. 
that made a little bit more sense ah, because I would point. imagine that if Coppola had been Scorsese, for instance, right. that perhaps it would be Martin Scorsese, a different name <laughs> above the Godfather, or even no name at all. I mean, they, maybe they, I get they must have just really been trying to sell it based on the success. Yeah, that's a very good um, it's font coupled with the bizarre hand the marionette the marionette which makes sense to me in a way i don't think it ever had before but me noticing the later line about puppets and strings yeah 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 yeah. so now that i'm there i'm sort of hashing this out in my own mind right now um and then we get a great scene that starts with a long shot of um uh bonasara uh appealing to marlon brando's um uh, Don Cor- Vito Corleone about uh, the tragic story about his daughter. Just, a, uh, I'm sure you've seen I've at the very least this parodies monologue of this done. Yeah, I've yeah. seen parodies of this scene. I really liked um, the shot composition here. And yeah. I don't know a lot about shot composition, but it was cool. And I think Coppola does it at many points in the movie where he will foreground like a part of a silhouette of someone who's very close to the camera. Sure. And then in the back, like, you know, there's like a distant figure that's usually we're supposed to be focusing on. Yeah. And he kind of does it to variable effect here. Obviously, as we slowly zoom out to see Vito Corleone, you realize that he is like this powerful figure that kind right. of exists right, in right, the right. periphery of this monologue that's being delivered. At later points, it will be, you know, like in the final shot of the movie when we see Pacino in the room at the, the end Michael. of the hall. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Who's in the and his wife is right. kind of foregrounded. Oh, good. There's good. like, he, he's constantly doing this, and I feel like there's something going on with power there. I feel like it's a really um, cool way to express, like, some of the power dynamics in the movie. So, anyway, very cool opening shot, and I found, like, the slow yeah. zoom out. In to the shadows, good. the way that it's almost like a, someone on a stage, you know, uh, um... With the the way the shadow, you know, just a singular light. I love I love that scene. I love that actor. Fortunately, um, he's not in anything else. The character actually has more of a Wikipedia presence than the actor. Um, Interesting. I think the character has a Wikipedia page, or at, least, at the very least, there was a hyperlink associated, which redirected to something else. <laughs> but the actor did not. I will say, um, just as someone whose main exposure to the film before this was just having heard this monologue. Yeah. Much more subtly delivered than I was expecting. <laughs> I was, you know, you always, on whose part, the Vito or Bonasara? But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Vito mainly. You yeah, know, I guess that's the monologue you hear. About. The whole yeah. you don't ask with respect. Right, right. Like right. all of yeah, that was delivered in a much more blasé way <laughs> than I think I had been expecting. And then he very quickly kind of switches gears and uh, yeah, you know, says that he will deliver on the favor, which was interesting to me. Well, let's talk about. Brando, or at least as much as we need to talk about him right now, because I guess this is just a little appetizer and the real meat comes along later. But um, it's from the get-go, they established this great thing. I mean, we'll be talking a lot about how much silence is incorporated to get the story across, or character, I guess, a lot too. Um, But the way he, the first thing he does when you're pulling out and you see his his, um, blurred uh, silhouette is he gives he he motions for Bonacera to be handed a glass of water, which I remember. I always think about him as one of those just those pieces of physical acting I always remember from this scene. I just think about as uh, uh, emblematic of the generosity this character has throughout the whole movie and the fact that it's very easy, at least for me, to forgive this character 
um, or at least view him in an uh, an ignorant vacuum where you really don't see him doing any of the the nasty work throughout it. And and, um, you just sort of give him a lot of, I give him a lot of benefit of the doubt and see him sort of as weirdly less, uh, uh, less culpable. Yeah. Than even like certainly Sonny or Santino, but even like Michael towards the end of it, it just seems he's so removed from so much. And the only things you see him doing firsthand are gestures of generosity, literal gestures like motioning for water, but even what he ultimately does in this scene when he, when he, you know, says it's going to be done and he talks the way he talks and treats people I just think is very very cool choice um yeah he, he's a warmer and gentler figure than I think I would have imagined yeah we also see him play with a kitten in yeah. Scene. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> which I think um not knowing what was going to happen there was like sort of a foreboding element to it where I wasn't sure you know I didn't think it was going to do anything with the kitten in the scene but it did feel like somewhat threatening right a different like movie he holding might. Yeah, this yeah, yeah. animal in his hands and he you know he could snap its neck or something very easily totally but like when you reflect on his final scene in the movie when he dies playing with his grandson in the garden uh i don't know i guess i feel like he's given a lot of scenes to be gentle and yeah. forgiving and generous and not a lot of other characters get that and so i agree like i i, I wasn't expecting him to be such a warm, yeah, easy to forgive character, but he totally was for me anyway. I just, I just, res- I appreciate how he treats people, uh, and even though they're awful people, and even though he's guilty, and, you know, culpable of awful things, like you were saying, it's just there is this weird. It's like they don't show you any of that stuff, so you sort of view him in this different plane where it's just he's being a good guy to people. And it's, I think it's a fun, a cool little trick they do for you, and especially in, in drawing contrast between him and his sons. Um, yeah, so we have that great scene, Godfather. You know, you, it's the first time Godfather gets mentioned, which is um, it gets mentioned ten, maybe eleven times in the movie. I was taking count. Uh, I may have missed one, but of it would have been title Godfather. of the title Godfather. You know, yeah. it's good to keep yeah, track yeah, of this. No, Hurricane of Fun was said in Hurricane of Fun one time. Uh, one time, Godfather. So, yeah, we get, so this movie is ten times better, better than Hurricane, than Hurricane of, fun. of Fun, just because it says um, you know, shadow. So we have this scene. Um, and again, he just treats Bonacera so well, and, and the only time he ever seems to get upset with him is when Bonacera offers to pay him to do this, and he just says, how, how have I insulted you that you think paying me is the answer? You just have to invite me over for tea every now and then. Um, I love when Bonacera comes back later, too. I forget think about that, that every time. is incredible. Yes. And, um, yeah, yeah, yeah how willing Bonasaro was to help in yes. that instance and that the favor he asked for was this actually very Semi- benign yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of beautiful favor Legit of just like making his <laughs> yeah, yeah. son look okay yeah. so that his wife can look on him and not be disgusted. That was a like beautiful scene. a very beautiful scene. Yeah. Another, um, yeah, another just great scene of, uh, you can probably tell Brando's the one for me that sort of steals the show. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, then we get this abrupt transition to what's really going on outside of these, this dark room, which is a wedding in the middle of the day. Um, I remember first seeing this movie on TV, on cable. 
you know, so censored and interspersed with commercials. I didn't watch the whole thing, but I remember just sort of being like, I should check this out, just some of it. And, you know, it's one of those movies that's sort of like a white whale of like, you go for so long, like you were saying, not seeing any of it. And you just, you know, it's so tempting just to check out. And uh, I remember checking out the first scene and then sitting through a bunch of commercials to see maybe the first quarter of it. And the scene that really, I, I just, to me, uh, the portion I just love so much is this first maybe 40 minutes. And, you know, the wedding's only 10, 20 minutes of that, but I just love the wedding sequence so much. It feel, It's just so pleasant and so does this thing, which I think Brando does as his character, but just... It, it, it's warm, like you're saying, and there, there's something just uh, magnetic about it. And there's some great exposition that's done, which we'll get into. But, like, just the dancing and the photographs being taken and, and um, the singing. It's just this warm feeling of camaraderie, you know, like Hurricane of Fun, I suppose. <laughs> um, but I guess more so family. Um, that I don't know, maybe I'm a sucker for it, but I just really, I, I genuinely get a good feeling out of watching yeah, and you do feel like you want to be a part of it yeah. in a weird way. It feels very warm. I can see why people would fall for the cult yeah. of personality surrounding this man. I can see why you would want to be in his good graces. I can yeah. see forgiving him for some of these things. I can, I don't know, I can so easily see the appealing side to this lifestyle, which totally. I think is like a criticism that people have broadly with like these sorts, these sorts of, of like movies. gangster movies. Yeah, yeah. But, um, I don't know. It it is really enticing, and I agree. I like the wedding sequence Good. more than I think I would have expected to, given <laughs> exactly. how little like actual <laughs> mafia content happens. <laughs> well, that's the other great thing is they cut they cut within this wedding scene. They do cut to all these meetings that Corleone is having because, as they say, in a little slip of um, exposition that, you know, no Sicilian can refuse an offer on the day of his daughter's wedding, um, which is just great. Um, you have these moments of darkness in there. And my favorite points are the ones, just from a storytelling perspective, I love when they smash the camera. You see Santino smash the camera or when uh, Barzini, Bazzini, gets his photo taken at a table and he it's like everything seems normal and then something will happen a flashbulb will go off and they're having a good time and then he'll order that the photo that was just taken will be ripped up so something doesn't seem right you know what i mean or that all that money is going into the silk bag you know thousands and thousands of dollars for a wedding gift and the guy goes oh if this was someone else's wedding you know um so it's just you see it's this scenic view but then every now and then there'll be something sort of weird about it or you know you know that all those cops outside writing down the license plates i just think that's great and sort of cultivating a tone uh, or, or a sense of unease mm-hmm. in that like as great as this looks there's something it's there's something volatile about it yeah no i i totally felt that and then after the wedding scene i am um, we yeah. moved to Horsehead? Is that kind of like loosely where we go next hollywood's next and again another sort of extensive vignette that i remember watching initially on TV and being like, I hadn't, it's structurally, it's just bizarre. It feels like a book to me. It feels like a novel. Yeah. <laughs> There's so much that happens. Michael, who to me is the main character, even though um, Brando gets top billing, that's because it's Brando. Michael just disappears for a while. Yeah. And it's, it's suddenly, it's um, Tom Hagen's movie. Mm-hmm. By the excellent Robert Duvall. Tom Hagen hanging out in Hollywood, meeting with the Hollywood producer. One thing I did want to bring up briefly Actually, we'll get back to it. But um, let's talk about the... What did you... I'm just so curious. 
you take the reins for this Hollywood thing because I have so many feelings about this and they change every time I watch it. And I want to hear what your immediate reaction to this Hollywood sequence is. Okay, I knew at some point in the movie a horse had ended up. Oh, that's one of the things you... Okay. That was probably the only thing I knew about the movie going into it. So I was sort of pleasantly surprised that it came so early Yeah. because I didn't want it to be like the shoe dropping at the end of the movie that I was going to like take the air out of it for me because I knew it was happening. So I was glad it happened in this sort of (laughs) vignette. Um, I enjoyed the vignette. I think I was still struggling, not struggling. I think I was still discovering what the structure of this movie was going to be, like you said. And so each time we would set out on, you know, kind of this new detour, Mm -hmm. I was kind of like, okay, is this, you know, was this an extended like (laughs) prologue and now we're with the movie and it's sort of like didn't ever get to a place where I felt comfortably that this was the movie. Kind of like, uh, like you're saying, like a novel, like it continued to like expand and interweave. The Hollywood scene I thought was, I just liked it a lot. I don't know. I mean, I think um, Robert Duvall's performance is like very understated. And I think he gets to eat the most in this scene. Like I thought he was, he did such a good job of not responding to anything being so gracious that you actually almost think that nothing is going to happen or that yeah. they are going to, you know, play nice for back of, lack of a better uh, better way to phrase it. And then when you see him wake up and there's so much blood in the so bed, much blood. it's just, you know, even as someone who knew it was coming, it's just so disgusting, so off-putting. Like, you just understand that you can't fight these people. And I thought it was an incredible scene. It does a great job of like setting the tone, you know, in contrast with the wedding scene of like what's going to happen, you know, what is on the other side of these orders that he's giving in this comfortable, well-lit room. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I love the scene. It does. I remember really liking it. I still like it a lot, but every time I watch it now, I'm just so startled by its placement and how long it is. And just... I just feel like if you, if we were to write a movie, God forbid, and hadn't had notes, you know, given to us by top brass, you know, the executives, that just would, that would be something that would, early on, that would be like, we're not going to read this. You know yeah, what I mean? It just 100%. feels, and yet it works in that yeah. maddening way where it's like, how does this, there's something, see, there, it, the structures that they try to spoon feed you all the time aren't always the case you know aren't always right well in the editing too it's not like it's well i don't want to say it's not like it's well edited into the movie but the editing of the movie in general it's a lot of fade to black a lot of time has passed we're in a new scene with no context given music plays las vegas music plays california musical play you know new york yeah the barest context that you can possibly give but like really there's very little effort done through the transitions to like stitch these things together (laughs) to be more cohesive and uh chapters yeah Yeah, feel like chapters they do feel like chapters you're right and i guess i'm surprised that that didn't bother me more i will say um upon first viewing i felt like the time like the temporality was a little weird well i took down some notes which weirdly my third viewing this is the first time i've ever really noticed that but i can't wait to get into that it got really weird it's just kind of strange because i felt like early on the time was very um it it felt like everything was progressing chronologically at like a very reasonable clip and a really standard clip like we weren't skipping large amounts of time and then as the movie went on 
large amounts of time yeah. would skip and you wouldn't know until kind of later into the movie that that amount of time it's passed. Or sometimes you never really know for sure in my case. So it's things yeah. that I still had questions about that I wanted to, but again, like you said, it doesn't get really noticeable um, or confusing until the second half. Um, yeah, the Hollywood, yeah, I guess that, um, I think I just like it too because it just, like I said, it makes it just makes the world. It feels like a book because it makes the world feel so dense and rich. Mm-hmm. And just like even going back to Johnny Fontaine coming to the wedding, and all the people screaming about him like he's you know Elvis or something. And it just it, it, they stick the landing in a way where it's like I just can't believe they fit all these threads in, and, and it just feels like such a lived-in world. And it's just so like everything had been thought. It just feels like a real story to me. Um, well, I want uh, one, one more aspect that I found very, uh, I don't know, very excellent was the way that they did that with Pacino's character, yeah. where, you know, we see him in his military garb in yeah. the wedding scene, but it's not mentioned right. that he's this war hero. No. And really, we never find out a lot about it. Yeah, yeah, he I does guess. speak about the family business in a way that suggests that he is detached from it, yeah. but he doesn't say anything outwardly um you know he doesn't outwardly denigrate the business necessarily no. we just sense that he's not that close i believe he is the brother who's not in the picture at the beginning right because he hasn't no shown yeah up he yet. hasn't shown up yet and yeah. so that's like a very yeah, beautiful yeah, like yeah. metaphorical thing of where's michael he's not totally in the family yet, yeah, right? yeah and so the whole and the whole scene he's like on the outside of it a little bit but we don't know that he has this past as like a war hero or anything like that until weirdly when the police come to arrest him, they say, hey, he's right, a good kid, he's a, a war yeah, hero. Yeah, yeah. And so then you start to like put things together. But I feel like Coppola really trusts the audience to kind of pick up on clues like that. Yeah. And I think he kind of knows that the general beats of the story will sort of carry you through. Yeah. Even when like some of the details are really like blink and you miss them. One thing I love about that Pacino in that first scene is when he straight up tells Kate the story about... Um, you know, uh, uh, Luca, Luca, Luca Brasi? Yeah, Luca something. The the scary man. Big guy, yeah. The big guy. Threatening um, Johnny Fontaine's original band leader. And the way he just... T- I always get surprised with how candid he is about it. Because, mm-hmm. you know... And that's the other great thing. We don't know how long they've been dating. We don't know. We don't get any of that. Their relationship is surprisingly underserved. Uh, it works. It works yeah. really well. But it's just... There's not a lot of it. An explanation. Um... And he just tells her point blank with the story. And the way he delivers it, it's just, it's, from a character standpoint, I'm always like, why is he telling her this like this? But the way Pacino delivers it, and then at the end, he does this great thing where he says, it's a true story. And it just feels like he's so removed, like you were saying, from it. The way he, he tells it to her because he's so confident that this is never going to be incriminate him this is never going to be his life and she has nothing to worry about which i just love exactly it was almost like in a different kind of movie if he was like i've been telling you my family's crazy and like she hasn't believed him and they get to the wedding and he tells this story and it's like do you believe me now yeah and so it really cements him as like this outsider figure um even though again he doesn't say anything bad about his family you don't sense that he dislikes loves his family you just get the sense that he's been away for a while that if someone's not going to be there it's michael that he's not the closest to home, uh, which of course ultimately sets up his character arc. It's uh, possibly one of the best arcs, or most. I just can't. I would never know how to make 
an arc like that land as well as it, it's such a great yeah transition or evolution I should say um, after the Hollywood scene we get into the main sort of narrative conflict uh, which is uh, uh, Tatalia Tataglia uh, I know I'm not going to be able to help Salazzo, you with yeah 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 I, 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 I just wrote these down but they're <laughs> trying to push drug they're trying to get into the drug business they're trying to get the entire five families the mafias into the drug business. Um, this takes place in the 40s, I think the late 40s, they said at one point. Um, and Don Vito Corleone has led a very, he's very proud of the career he's had of just sort of sticking to gambling. I think maybe prostitution he mentioned. Uh, Later they do say something about women. I didn't know if he was saying with the five done, families, he was But that. I think he talks here about gambling and the unions. He's the got unions, gambling in the right, unions, the unions. And the cops don't worry about that. Which to him is a clean, mm-hmm. a clean business. Uh, whereas drugs, very much not so. Um, and yet the other families are pushing for it. And there's this whole... But that's the major conflict in the movie, I'd say, is just the Corleones versus um, the rest of the five families. Uh, and we have this great scene of Vito inviting uh, the Tataglia, Italia. Oh, gosh to his office to pitch his drug scheme. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we, we've had some, a, a prior scene where they sort of discuss it and it seems like the family thinks that the Corleones believe it to be the smart decision. Uh, mm-hmm. Tom says, you know, it makes sense. It would avoid a conflict. And Sonny just doesn't, you know, being the hothead just, you know, doesn't really <laughs> care that. as much. <laughs> yeah. But uh, in the scene where they finally meet with Tatalia, Vito says no. And uh, you have that great moment of Sonny speaking up and just, this is just another moment of just good acting, good cinematography, good direction of Vito just gently telling him to, you know, take it easy, don't say anything. And yet they cut to Tom and they cut to some other guys, Clemenza, I think, in the room and they all, clearly something just went down and... They, they're as gentle as Vito was. Like, there's some tension in the room just based on this one thing which uh, Sonny did, which is just speak up a little, offer some ten cents. Um, and I just love the way I, I watch. I it's something I forgot about, and I was just watching, it and I just the visceral like, oh, it, it just felt like he chastised him in front of everybody, even though all he said was just uh, maybe a little like, eh, eh, no, Sonny, you know. Um, which I just really appreciated. No, I that's know if you noticed that. I, I hadn't even picked up on that. Um, I was like doing my best to follow what was going on. I think yeah. on like a plot level, but now that you mention it, I do think that's really admirable. And I think one of the coolest things about this movie, and we'll have to see going forward if it like continues to be something I like about different kinds of media. But I feel like just saying it offhand one of the most common attributes among movies that I feel like I really tend to love is that they feel like sequels to movies that don't exist. Nice. Which is, I think, just kind of like a sort of cute way of saying that, like, the world feels really lived in, like you were mentioning. Yeah. But everyone's reaction to Vito Corleone doing anything, yeah. it feels like he has had a whole series of movies to develop this persona. And it's almost like we're getting the Rocky six here where like we, you know, Coppola trusts us as an audience 
to feel the intimidation yes. and like the history of this man and he doesn't feel the need to like explain why he trusts the actors to just kind of do that yeah. he doesn't really fill us in on the whole story yeah you know i think it's like probably more than two hours into the movie when we find out that their business is in olive oil which like <laughs> I, I genuinely like have no uh, yeah, idea yeah 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 that's something i forgot about until uh yeah but but it works and yeah like you're saying we can see through the reactions of people like what the history of these characters is yes. and i think that that's so fascinating the maybe we'll have to check out godfather part two sooner rather than later because what's interesting about that one is it's a some portion a large portion of it is a prequel really and it's uh robert de niro playing Vito as a as a young guy coming up in 20s new york i have um, no idea that's super cool yeah people who people love that performance I mean, people say that one, like I said, is better than this one, which is very hard to, I don't know, I, it's, it's a miracle, it's crazy, I haven't watched it after what everything said, everyone said, but I just love that Brando performance in this, and to me it's so much of the, the why the movie is so good, I can't really imagine mm-hmm. a sequel without him, maybe he's in it, maybe he cameos, I don't know. Um, while this is going on, we have uh, Luca, Luca Brasi yeah. murdered at a bar. Was not expecting him to die. Totally forgot about it until he puts his hand on it. And I remembered ugh, yeah. that awful scene of some... I, I remembered someone stabbed someone's hand in a bar in The Godfather. Um, I, I gotta say, I love that moment during the wedding when he's reciting his lines to himself. So cute. It's cute. Exactly. I'm glad. I wanted to see if you'd get to... I remember feeling that the very first time I watched it. And even though every time I rewatch it, I remember that it's revealed that he's a horrible hitman. I still think it's just so it's cute. Very cute. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It, I, I almost felt like that scene was signaling to me that he was going to be like one of the key players exactly. in the movie. And so when he I dies was, yeah. this early on, I, I was forgot. both disappointed but genuinely shocked. Yeah. And so I really like that. You know, the fact that Michael calls him a scary man too makes yeah. it. Because we don't really see... He doesn't do anything other than put on a bulletproof vest. Yeah, no. He just goes where the Godfather goes tells him to go. Tells him. And I love when he finally is reciting his lines. And he's stumbling over. Oh, such Inviting a to your daughter's wedding on the day of your daughter's wedding. But one of my favorite <laughs> things about it is that he's doing it. It gets revealed he's doing it because he's just... he's All he's doing is thanking him for inviting him to a wedding he didn't think he'd be invited yeah. to. And he's that's all he wants to do. Is I think very, <laughs> and then when he says, "Yeah, I know you're busy. I'll go." Right. Yeah. Uh, there's just such a humility to the character. Yeah, I, yeah. I liked his character a lot. Was sad to see him go, but like pleasantly surprised about how surprising it was. And establishes the respect Vito has. Where if a guy like Luca is that nervous, is that scared of Vito? Mm-hmm. It's insane. Um, that happens. He gets murdered at the bar, and then we get another um, wild murder which is Vito getting uh, shot down uh, in the streets uh, buying oranges, which later is later his downfall. In, in, in Damn, I didn't put that together. <laughs> I didn't put that together until I was anticipating this scene, and I was like, ah, oh, there are oranges in both of them. And then, yeah, of course I read that, but I didn't wow. notice that until this time. I don't know what the symbolism of that is. Does oranges mean, do oranges mean anything to you? Not to me, but that's Fruit? interesting. I'm sure there's been, like, film essays written about yeah, it. Yeah, we should, we should look into that. Um uh, one person who should get get um, credit in this scene is uh, Fredo, the actor who plays Fredo. I think that moment where he breaks down after yeah. seeing his dad get killed is um, some quality acting from a character that was, you sort of want to punch the entire time. 
for whatever reason. <laughs> I was also not expecting him to get shot here. Like, this yeah. is another move, you know? I mean, it just feels... It's, like, such an awkward placement in the movie for this to happen. <laughs> like, it's too early to feel like he can die and have yeah. it be rewarding. But it's, like, not so soon in the movie that it feels like this is the inciting plot incident that it sort of is. Right. And so, and it just comes after Luca's death where I, I just didn't know how to take it as a viewer. Exactly. Who did you think was the main character at this point? I mean, up to that point, yeah, to I that thought point. that he was. That Brando yeah, was the yeah, main yeah, character, yeah, for course, sure. Yeah. And, uh, you know, other characters were kind of doing their cute things. And I thought maybe it would continue in this sort of, like, vignette way. Where, yeah. Like, maybe he's pulling the strings, but, like, you know, other people are doing it. But, we, you know, it always comes back to him. So now he's dead. I didn't know who we were going to follow. And then, of course, we, we go to Pacino. Did you believe he was dead for, for like... I mean, we see him at, like, five shots in the back. Yeah. So I was disappointed, but I did think that he was probably dead. Yeah. Just because I thought that, like, the visual evidence of it was so damning. Yeah. But I was very, you know, even though I felt like it was, like, maybe a little unbelievable that he survived that number of shots, yeah. I was glad that he did because I wanted to see Brando. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's got a lot of movie ahead of him in some of his best scenes. Um, and then, so that sends everything into a tailspin. Michael's still enjoying his normal life, buying Christmas presents, going to Radio City Music Hall to see Rockettes or something. Mm-hmm. Um, we get, once they all find out, we get this great scene where they realize Luca's sleeping with the fishes because they get a catfish stuffed in it. <laughs> One thing I really liked about this scene is I feel like this is some precedent when it comes to gangster movies and those great scenes of mobsters being really nice to people they're going to kill mm. or, you know, behaving one way and then in mm-hmm. truth they're feeling another way, whether that's, you know, we we get the reverse of that and the inverse of that in other movies where they're really scary and then it turns out they're just joking. But in this one, there's a great moment where Sony, Sonny is being really nice to Polly, the bodyguard who I get is the implication the bodyguard sold out Vito or just that he was, he was sick. They're mad at him because he was sick and he should have been I really think the implication was just he was sick and he was like maybe being lazy and calling in sick a lot. Yeah, right. I'm getting this mixed up with later. Yeah, I think you're right. And Sonny's real nice to him and says, hey, you should get some some brandy. It'll, you know, you'll sweat out the... um, And I just remember seeing that this time and being like, I thought he was going to kill him and then realizing, oh, he's just putting on a... And all the way up to that great scene in the, 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 the fields with all the... Um, oh, the shot. The shot is great, and that's a classic. So beautiful. But they're laughing all together in that scene uh-huh. leading up to it. They're having a great time, you know, joking about where they're going to pick up cannolis, and then, I don't know. I think, it, like I said, this this must have established that as a, a funny genre cliche. It definitely um, felt like a lot of tropes were being yeah. established in this movie. Like, things I'd seen, I've seen a million times that I imagine probably actually started here. Yeah. So you kind of have to, you know try to forget that you've yeah, seen it yeah, a million yeah. times before and recognize like wow this is really where that started and that's that's really really cool had you heard the cannoli line before did i recognize that yes i did recognize that's it it's like gotta be the most famous yeah a fantastic line very funny yeah. Yeah. delivered in this very like offhand way in the context <laughs> of the movie but just you know a great line and all i think particularly great because it's not like this is a movie that's setting up a lot of those one-liners like right. i can imagine 
a different kind of gangster movie where like it's often allowing its actors to deliver these sort Trailer of punchline yeah, yeah, cliches. Yeah, 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 yeah. This one really doesn't. Like no. there's a, there were a lot of moments where I felt like, you know, a really cool line could be delivered. Yeah. And Coppola or I mean, I think Coppola wrote the screenplay, like, opts yeah, yeah, to yeah. do something a little bit more subtle. Yeah. And so this, it sort of just felt like the perfect marriage of, like, what the character would actually say <laughs> with a moment that allowed it to be, like, this really cool, quotable line, um, which I think made it more enjoyable. But really, yeah, very memorable line. I think that's a good point because also, like, recently I watched a preview for the 50th anniversary release. And of course, this is a huge, that line is a huge, I think it's like, you know, the trailer joke at the end of the, after the title. And it just didn't feel right to me, both because, you know, I see it coming a mile away, but also it just, it doesn't feel like a disposable gag to me. It, it feels like a really good line and funny line and sort of a dry sense, a sense of humor type way. But I just, it almost felt like it was doing the scene a disservice by putting it at that point in the trailer. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, it definitely... I don't know if this is, like, any kind of important distinction to make, but it didn't feel like the actor who was delivering it as a joke at <laughs> all or right. that the character had any sense of, like, that this was funny, really. He was just sort of a funny character, and it feels like yes. throughout the movie, like, advice is constantly being given, like, to Michael later, you know, drop the gun immediately, do this, do that, do this. So when he says, take the gun, or leave the gun, take the cannolis, yeah. it really just felt like, what he wanted to yeah, happen, you're not gonna leave which, the which made it so yeah, funny, yeah, and I yeah, think yeah. gets at what you're saying about why it's not like a great trailer punchline. Like it, it isn't exactly a joke. Yeah, and the cinematography too with that oh. is a very wide shot. That's not you're not getting a close up of him as he's doing a shtick or whatever. It's no. just a wide shot, and you just hear that in sort of the distance. Ah, oh, that shot is so good. It's a great shot. A great yeah, another shot. foreground, you know, with the grass in the foreground, the car. Yeah, the three layers of true. Uh, yeah, it's. I it's, also think the. Um, what what would you call them? The sets, but like the outdoor, like the locations, locations, the, yeah, 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 the yeah. Uh, breadth of different locations that we get in this movie, and all of the different sets. <laughs> yeah. It's like really impressive. You know, it's like kind of a globe spanning movie in a true, way, and it, it definitely feels like we could go anywhere at any point. Um, that's yeah, that's uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, yeah, well, we'll get into that. I, I have some thoughts about that. I guess we'll get more into it during the Sicily. Um, stuff but uh, speaking of food speaking of cannolis this movie has one of my best my the best indicators of great movie you know ness for me which is just food a lot of food I I think that's you know obviously I love food but I think also there's a lot of food in some of the best movies out there and you know (laughs) just extended sequences of people cooking and describing meals um, uh, and this one has plenty of it uh and I just, I, I get hungry watching it every time. Yeah. I've also you, got hungry yeah, watching it. I made some popcorn in the movie. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I want to get some. When he was teaching Michael. Oh, like, he's like the garlic and the wine. The wine, just put a little sugar, yeah, in here. Then, he, then here's all the meatballs and the sausage. And I was like, mm. um, You know, a scene that probably didn't need to be in there, but it was just sort of fun. And um, the idea of him of Clemenza cooking for what, like 50 guys <laughs> all in uh, wife beaters, you know, it's just very funny. We get a lot of family life in the movie. Yeah, I guess that's it. And I think that Coppola is trying to say some things about like men and women and how these yeah. structures like affect women and children yes, and also yeah. exclude that. Like, I think very explicitly he's trying to do some of that. Yeah. But I think one of the, uh, 
you know, one of the symptoms of him, like, sort of dealing with those themes that we do get, like, a lot of scenes at home yeah. and where grandchildren are giving get well cards. And I think it makes everything feel uh, a little bit warmer and also yeah. more eerie. I mean, it, it, for whatever reason, I think... I, I Yeah, this is this comes up later, but, like, I I fully believe that this is the family that's the most righteous out of all the five families. I agree. And they try to establish that, I guess, through, like, the whole drug thing, but, like, it's not because of that. It's just because of... Yeah. Um, especially towards the end. Um... Food. Uh, okay, well, we get we get to the hospital scene. Would you want to talk about that? And you're, you oh, I just to... love the hospital scene. Yeah, I. Uh, what you? I like mean, he gets it? there. Yeah, it's so. Well, first of all, Coppola doesn't tell us exactly what's going on. We yeah. assume he's visiting his, his father. Dinner with he's his wife. looking for his father. Or his dinner with his girlfriend. Cuts it short. Cuts it, would it short. Seem. Yeah, and more food. But goes then... to his father. Yeah. More food. <laughs> we get into the hospital. It's abandoned in this very eerie way. So eerie, yeah. I, as a viewer who's, you know, not familiar with the customs of the time period, I don't know what hospitals are supposed to look like. I don't know, you know, what level of staff is customary. Sure. It just felt deserted, and I couldn't tell exactly what had gone wrong. But I could tell that Michael knew that something had gone wrong. So when we see him, there's nobody at the desk. He goes into one room. There's kind of like an abandoned sandwich. And you see him, like, trying to put everything together. He doesn't quite know how. And then rushing into the room with his father and he slowly opens the door because he knows like anything could be on the other side. You know, there could be people waiting for him. He doesn't know. And I, as a viewer, didn't know. And I didn't know if his dad would actually be there. And then, of course, he is. And so there's that there's this wonderful building of tension leading up to that moment. And then as he recognizes what's about to happen, you know, he's having this nurse help him to save his father. He clearly established the stakes. This baker comes with flowers. <laughs> who we've seen father. earlier. Again, yeah. another person who comes back from the wedding, a favor from the wedding. Great. Yeah, true. Yeah. And uh, there's a lot of tension around him stepping up, but it doesn't <gasps> feel like he Coppola's undercutting the payoff. It actually feels like it just continues to compound. Yeah. Because now, you know, we end up, we have Michael and this baker standing, and he's telling the baker to keep his hand in his pocket like that's he's got great. a gun. And as they're great. standing there... And you're like waiting for the car to pull up and the car pulls up. I sort of knew that nothing was going to happen. Yeah. But I was on the edge of my seat, you yeah. know, and they, nothing has to happen. And that's, I think, the point in the movie where I realized that, like, despite the weird pacing, despite the fact that nothing was immediately as, like, quotable or iconic as maybe I would have thought but I think would also be impossible. Like, I think, you know, being iconic is not something that a movie can just, like, set out to do. This was the point <laughs> in the movie where I realized that, like, anything Coppola wanted me to be feeling at any point in the movie, I was going to feel, like, sort of at the maximum level. And so That's this is the point where he's, like, yeah. sort of had me, I think. And I was like, all right, I'm ready. Like, what's going to happen in these next two hours? That's a great... I love also when the baker removes a cigarette and he's just so he's just shaking. It's just it's 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 very extreme shaking, but it doesn't feel exaggerated or cartoonish at all. It's just no. to imagine because you're in his shoes for that that moment, and um, the fact that Michael is the one who's knows what's up, and he's someone who's sort of refused to know what's what's up for so long. It just there's something weirdly scary about him being the one in control because you're like. 
how much does he really know? Like, does he know what he's doing? You know, he's a civilian, yeah. and yet he's the one who's calling. The, it's just, yeah. I, I don't want to gloss over it as well, because I kind of recapped it, like, the very tender scene with him and his dad. When his dad's laying wakes down, up. can hardly yeah, yeah. speak, he sort of wakes up, and you yeah. can see his eyes are just a little wet, and the fact that his son, Michael, yeah. like, the one son that he wanted to be there at the wedding, yeah. it's, like, clearly, in my opinion, the son that he, like, thinks the most highly of, even yeah. though Coppola's done almost nothing to make us believe that you right, can just right, sort of right. tell in the performances like when he wakes up and it's michael there and he doesn't know he's standing next on, to yeah. him he doesn't know what's going he on he thinks he's visiting it's just incredibly touching to me and i feel like that has to be a moment where if i'm the character michael i start to reconsider like i think he's starting to realize for him what a part of his identity this family is this culture like yeah. i just could see all of that and i anyway i love the scene it was one of my favorite scenes in the movie you did wow yeah i well i think you're right because the next scene is him putting throwing his hat in the ring for being the one to shoot um also really cool McCluskey. i love this whole act i, I mean that's no yeah yeah and <laughs> that's a huge step for him so i think you're right about that the hospital scene serving as um the primary fodder for what 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 prompts that decision. Um, I don't know. There's not much to say about that scene leading up to it. Obviously, well acted, and I, I love how Sonny. Once Michael does throw his hat in the ring, Sonny laugh. They all laugh laugh it off and say, yeah. "Hey, no, you're you're not going to do that." And then, of course, he he debates them and and, and comes out uh, victorious. There was one just little funny thing I thought, which is again as as people who recognize Pacino more for his recent work. And his sort of bizarre rhythms and bluesy <laughs> yes. cadence. His voice uh, was not recognizable. It's, it's not like that at all. But there is one line where he says, "It will be me," which, for whatever reason, I noted as like some current Pacino. I'm gonna have to look that up after this. It's not the voice as much as it is. There's something about the the, wh- rhythm. the rhythm. The delivery is he does that like weird, yeah. Um, but that's all I have for that scene. Uh, um, I guess this could also be talked about now, but some great acting on part on Pacino's part, where his jaw—he's acting like his jaw is swollen or, or, or injured somehow, and the way he speaks, there's certain syllables that come out uh, uh, blurred and just or slurred, and, and, and um, I don't know. That's just quality acting. Yeah, that, that was good, that. and his makeup as well. Makeup's I thought was good. in yeah. general awesome in the movie. Yeah, because Brando looks great, Pacino yeah, looks true. great. Two questions I want to ask you before we get any further that I have no idea. Sure. Like, I truly can't explain at all. Yeah. Pacino gets hit by a police officer. Yeah. Why is he bruised the entire time he's I hit? I wrote that down, too. You don't know? I just, I took it as this happens in, like, the first few days of his arrival in Italy. But then he's married, right? He's still he's married. Does he still have it yeah. towards the end of that? I mean, the first thing I noted where he doesn't have the bruise anymore when he comes home if someone says to him like oh you look good they like well, fix that's you up Fredo yeah Fredo tells him that when but he's like, at the casino and the I clock that the first scene we see him in Italy the guy comes up in the car and he's like uh, oh you're not supposed to be out this far yeah. like it seems like he has, he, he has his routines that he knows these people like it just felt to me like he'd been there a while yeah well I also think the fact that Fredo was like the doctors fixed you up good for yeah. like maybe it was a much more substantial injury than we yeah, I don't know. It was so that I was very confused about. Yeah, me too. Yeah, didn't really end my enjoyment of the movie, but I was kind of like, "What? What the hell is this?" <laughs> then the other thing, yeah. um, Duvall's character. Yeah, Tom Hagen. 
he's clearly like, uh, you know, the other family, they come to him early on and they're trying to get him to sell Sonny on the deal, right? Like in the wake of um, Vito's Yes, yes, like when they put him, death. they have him in that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, like, briefly, it felt like he was kind of angling for that to happen because he was, like, scared for his life. Yeah. But then... I don't know. I just felt like I didn't totally understand like where that ended up going. Like eventually did he sort of just kind of like give up on it a little I bit? I think I think he thought it was a good idea when Sonny was going to be in charge yeah. and his he thought his dad was dead. Um and then I it's interesting. Cuz uh, I think I think Sorry about that, listeners. Just some uh, traffic outside. I think... <laughs> I think it's Michael who convinces him that sort of retaliating is the right option. But I, I, I didn't necessarily read him as totally 100% sold on no. what they were. Um, but that's, yeah. And then did, it, did that have anything to do with why at the end he's sort of demoted to being just their lawyer instead of their consigue? I didn't read it as that, but that that's possible. I just sort of read that as, as what it they said, which is that the, what they end up doing behind his back, more or less, they didn't want him to be involved in, which is... Okay. Um, no, I think you're right. I was I just... Know, it's It's... Yeah. I love that character. He's, he's one of my favorite characters, and I think, like you said, it's a very admirably understated performance. Yeah, and definitely it feels like he really is honorable and moral, yeah. honestly, yeah, yeah, which yeah. is weird. Like, he felt very loyal to me uh, in a way that few characters in the movie did. Yeah. I didn't really doubt that he had... And then, you know, he, he says offhand this line, like, I'm as much of a son to your oh, father yeah, as yeah. you are. It, again, it's this thing where it feels like these characters have been experiencing things together for <laughs> decades and decades before we ever get, like, dropped in yeah. to view this with them. And I just think that's so cool. It's so cool to, like, kind of speculate about that and not have everything answered for you. I think it makes the characters more interesting. Literally, during the movie, there was that scene where the kids are playing outside near all the armed guards and stuff, and Mm. one of them throws the ball back to them. I was just imagining, I was like, oh, it's funny to imagine. This is, I was picturing young Michael and young Santino and young, all of them as kids playing. Because you've also got that whole thing of, you know, that, you know... uh, you know, the only people who can be careless are kids and women, he says mm-hmm. at one point. And that men are, you know, and so just to imagine those men, quote unquote, as kids together, I was picturing at one point, which just shows how, like you said, uh, yeah, it's, 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 they feel, and, and then that's a whole other thing, Matt Hagen being, um, you know, pretty much adopted uh, by Vito when he was just on the streets. And that just gets said in one line of dialogue. Like, that's one line of exposition of Michael explaining to Kate, oh, yeah, the reason he has a different last name is because my dad found him on the streets. And it's not a huge plot point at all. It only just sort of bubbles up in realistic ways where he says, I'm as much of a brother. They say, oh, if you were Sicilian, you'd be a better consigliere and blah, blah, blah. Mm. But it, it, it's not like a huge part of the movie. That's just really cool. Yeah, I think all these characters are so well wrought. Yeah, to me, it just contributes to. The generosity I feel like Vito has. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to know what like what that story is, but um, yeah. So then we get to probably my favorite. I don't know my favorite, but probably uh, to me the best scene in the whole movie, which is the restaurant scene. Yeah. Um, 
such a good scene. Just such a good. I, I don't think we'll be able to say anything about that that hasn't been said already. No. I'll comment on the veal looks great in it because you know, <laughs> that scene weirdly does make me hungry up until he gets shot in the throat. Um, but the suspense in that, I mean, what were you feeling as someone yeah, who hasn't? No, I, I kept, I mean, I thought the screenwriting was so impressive because I felt like Coppola outlined, he planted so many seeds of what could go wrong. Mm. Where it felt like, as a perceptive viewer, I was being told, this is what's going to happen. You mm-hmm. know, like, Michael is told, you know, drop the gun and right. run away. He, you, you want to, um, when they're talking about throwing the gun behind the flusher thing. Yeah. He says, you better make sure that the gun is actually there. I don't want right. him coming out with just his dick in his hand. Okay, like, maybe the gun's not going to be there right. now. Which, by the way, it just shows you how invested I am in this character. Part of me was like, I kind of hope the gun isn't there, so maybe no one has to die tonight. I was also thinking that. And Michael doesn't have to ruin his life. Yeah, Yeah, and then, you know, we get that it's going to be at Louis' restaurant in the Bronx. And are you sure it's going to be there? Yeah, it's good information. Right. And so then as we get into the car, you know, the car's going, takes a turn toward New Jersey, right? (laughs) And so immediately it feels like things could go wrong. But okay, Mm -hmm. they're just trying to maybe like lose cars that were tracking them potentially or whatever. Fine. They turn back around. Looks like we're headed to the Bronx. We stop in front of Louis. Everything seems to be going okay. He gets up to go to the bathroom. It feels for a moment like maybe he's not going to be allowed to go. Yeah. You know, they really do almost stop him. And that's the great, another great thing too of just great screenwriting and is earlier in the scene... One of them, is it Sonny? It must be Clemenza, though, maybe in that scene where they're trying out the gun, says, don't tell them you're going to ask. Ask. And then he tells them he's going to go to the bathroom, but it instantly backtracks, like, oh, is that okay? Yeah. And you can tell they're kind of, and one of them goes, don't take too long. You know, they're kind of, they don't. They don't like it. At least Italian doesn't like it. The the cop is like, you got to go, you got to go. He gets into the bathroom. He goes, it doesn't feel like he's going to be able to find it right away. <laughs> no. And I didn't totally know what that meant, but I knew it like sort of wasn't right. good, but that, I don't know. It I seems just, worse than it. If both of us were like, we, if both of us were hoping it wasn't there, yeah. it must be worse than that. Cause, Definitely. <laughs> yeah. And so then he comes back out and he was told to come out with the gun in his hand, just like guns right. blazing. Guns blazing. Doesn't do that. No. So then I was like, okay, maybe he's not going to be able to, like, fire in the way. They've already shown they're willing to, like, shoot main characters. Michael, to me, isn't clearly the main character yet. Maybe, like, something happens here. And then, obviously, the scene progresses how it progresses. He doesn't drop the gun as fast as I, like, I'm sort of... Like, he continues to, like, ignore counsel. As subtly as he's... But they say drop the gun just to your side to make it look Um, like you still have it. He does, like, a... Throws, <laughs> throws it up in the air. <laughs> he also kind of like hesitates. I think it's great acting from Pacino as well throughout yeah. the scene. Like you can tell he's very, very nervous. Yeah. Um, oh, that that that's a great classic shot when it's zooming in on him while Tatalia is just sort of monologuing at him. Which, by the way, another thing I love. I love it in movies when they don't give you subtitles oh, for scenes. It was so good because it just makes you. I mean, you try to piece together what you can understand, and some of it is a little comprehensive, but. The rest of it, you're noticing other things going on, which is great for him, too, because he's he's not listening to whatever they're saying. Also, we understand that his Italian isn't great. Yeah. Um, so who knows how much of it he's picking up on. But that was great, especially for that shot where Tatalia's voice is sort of fading in the background as we're getting close to him. And he's you hear black the train eye, The train coming, and he, his eyes are shifting all across the place. You know what he's got to do. Um, doesn't shoot him two times. Also, nope. Just shoots him once, but it's pretty clear he's dead. Um, yeah. 
I noticed that too. He just keeps messing up all the instructions. And yet it, it works out. But I think like because the instructions were so clear again, like the screenwriting is just so tight. tight. It feels like we have such a clear sense of exactly what he needs to do. So every time he doesn't do one of those things, you're just on pins and needles. All stuff that gets mentioned once. Yeah. Maybe maybe the gun gets mentioned twice. It's like, did so-and-so tell you to drop the gun? You know? uh-huh. But like, usually to get that sort of audience participation in a scene like that, you need to hammer those things home countlessly through as many subtle ways as you can but they it's only only once for most of them and, and you still feel it um yeah it's a great scene um and then he gets sent to sicily and uh the movie takes a weird turn yeah how do you feel about the sicily stuff um. <laughs> probably my least favorite portion of the movie but necessary i recognize it as being necessary yeah no definitely necessary I think it contributed to my understanding of the movie as, like, an epic, and I sort of yeah, like that. Yeah, like, yeah. I started to realize, wow, like, we're spanning massive swaths of time. <laughs> like, space. we're really, like, it felt almost like a TV show. Like, we're just, like, getting time with this family. Like, it feels like this is truly a saga. It's an epic. I, I, I started to understand that, and I kind of liked that there was, like, I don't know, some romance in it. I understood, like, Im- how important it was to the character of Michael to connect with, like, his roots. You know, maybe yeah, a little yeah, on, yeah. The, on the nose that he goes to Corleone and, like, yeah, marries yeah, yeah, a girl yeah, from yeah. there. But, like, sure, you know what I mean? Um, where I actually feel like it lost me just a little bit... Sure. After the car bomb, I would have liked to see more... I think, I mean, the next time we see Michael, if I'm not wrong, he says, I've been home for a year and a half. Yeah. And I almost thought that was a joke at first because of I thought how he was lying, quickly maybe. it yeah, happened. Her, yeah. But I actually believe it it's was probably true. Wow. Based on, like, the fact that, like, the next time we see him, he's got a kid with this woman. You know what I mean? Like, we don't see so much. And so I felt like I would have loved to see just a little bit of, like, Michael in the immediate aftermath because it feels like that's where the pivotal transition really happens like he's all in at that point this is like someone he loved that is taken from him like I don't know there's just so much there and we don't see any of it and for the rest of the movie Michael is like very cold and withdrawn and I think it's effective but uh, I don't know it felt like such an interesting thing to just totally skip over I'm impressed by how much they get across and how little time in Sicily and also how little dialogue in terms of their relationship because, like you said, it is someone he loves and I, I do buy it. Mm-hmm. Um, and just sort of nice little montages of their wedding and there's one great moment I really, you know, totally f- not really a memorable one. I just felt like I was watching it for the first time where they're at the table and he's talking to the guys, you know, the men in the family. yeah. And he, and that just felt like a very real romantic moment of like when you're at a table with someone, you you you're angling, <laughs> you know, you've got yeah, feelings she for. The necklace. She does the necklace, and you, and you savor whatever eye contact you can manage. But you're having a good time with who you're talking to, and in a way, you're kind of showing off a bit. I don't know. Maybe I was bringing some stuff into that moment, but I just thought that was a nice sort of. Uh, no, I thought it was a beautiful moment, and I think that like the romance or the presence of romance in the movie kind of gave us like a sense of what he loses. Like, it gave him something to lose and also, like, something to 
I don't know, like, I, f- I feel like we get a sense that he could have had an easier life. We just watched yeah. The Northman, and I feel like this was kind of <laughs> like the moment where, you know, it felt like it, there, it could be another way, except for in the case of Michael Corleone, he's, like, ripped out of it by this car bomb. I like it. That's a great, yeah. jarring Also scene. wasn't expecting it. Yeah, that's a scene everyone always talks about as being, yeah, just a major plot point. Um, very hard to watch. Well, yeah, I'm exaggerating a bit, yeah. but it, it's it you you feel it in a way you don't feel all of the violence in this movie. Um, I have it written here. He did have a black eye at the wedding, at least. So yeah, yeah. So we know it's that like to he, be true. I don't know. I don't I know just about don't the car bomb scene, but I take your black eye lasted, and they said he'd have to stay there at least a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but it's <laughs> based on the punch. I wouldn't expect that the wounds to last a year. That's what I'm saying. I no, just, you're I right, don't know. Right. I'm curious. I'm gonna do some googling. One thing great about that scene when he comes back, I think, and maybe it's what we've seen, maybe it's the fact that he, we've, we've seen him marry another woman, but he sees his previous girlfriend. There's just something so different about him and just the dynamic. Not that we saw so, much mo- so many moments of warmth between them in the beginning, but like uh, there was a chemistry to them at the wedding, outside of the music hall. And it just feels like now they're just sort of going through motions and stuff, and he's just going back to her. I have, I, I highly doubt he's going to tell her about Apollonia. Yeah. You know, it's just this sort of awkward, like, well, now we should be back together, right? Because I'm back. But he's clearly different. I totally agree. I didn't feel the chemistry the second time around. And, uh, yeah, it felt like he decided, oh, I need a wife. Like, I'm about to occupy this role, and this is what's going to happen. Yeah. And... I don't know. It felt like he loved whatever her name Apollonia. was. Capolonia. Capolonia. Apollonia. He loved her, and with her death, it was like, okay, I'm not gonna really love anymore. Like, I'm just gonna go do this thing. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it was yeah. very strange to see them reconnect, and you know, obviously, he doesn't treat her with um, right. I won't say he doesn't treat her with respect, but he's dishonest with her, and you just kind of get icky feelings about what that relationship becomes. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. 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 You know, I'm not against it. <laughs> it's not, one of probably one of the better rooting for her. Yeah, probably one of the better that. romantic relationships in the in the movie. Yeah, I mean, he's um, not. Well, speaking of, yeah, that spousal abuse scene. It's hard to watch. Hard to watch, especially knowing one of them's well, pregnant. Yeah, the woman. Yeah, um, the sister whose name escapes me, but yeah, yeah, I, I forgot about how brutal that was. Yeah, um, I hated that guy, man. He's awful. He sucked. And also the scene where Sonny beats him up mm-hmm. outside very you know it's funny because there are a lot of punches in that that are like you can tell mm-hmm. are very fake and you see the the, the air between totally. them but it still is just i don't know if it's the sound effects the acting whatever the distance we get in some of the shots but it's just it just feels very grueling and down and like one of those more it felt kind of cathartic to me after the like the domestic vice and violence scene like, yeah. i felt like he really had it coming and i just wanted to see him get his ass kicked for like Ever. I mean, the fact that he tells her to shut up, like... I know. I mean, <laughs> so early. So... And I liked how her brother stood up for her at the table. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's great. It's a great moment where he's like, we don't talk about this. Meanwhile, he's got his own extramarital affair. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Going on. Here's something that I was wondering about. Again, major spoiler for, like, one of the last scenes of the movie. It's revealed that... Imagine if someone's listening to this so podcast this is one and doesn't think we're going to spoil the last scene. <laughs> the very last scene. <laughs> Carlo, the husband, yeah. is revealed to be a snitch. Whatever you call it, a rat. I don't yeah. know. 
because he gets Sonny killed in a great, another great yeah. moment of explosion of violence. Uh, is it implied that he just see? I always thought it was just because he gave some information. Or is it, did he, there's at one point where he's like, oh, that farce with my sister, you know, Michael says to him. Is it that he stages uh, a, a, a moment, again, of spousal abuse to get Sonny to come over? That's sort of what I was left with. But the weird part is that we see it. We know it's not staged. Unless, so but is I was he thinking, like, like, did he get someone to call the house? Because also... Not that I know much about extramarital affairs, but that seems like a very dumb mistake of um, him and his, uh, his, whoever he was seeing to make is to call the house and then continue to give incriminating evidence of an affair to a woman who's picking up the phone. Do you think that was staged? Oh, see, I totally misunderstand, misunderstood all of this. And I will say that my understanding of the plot diminished as the movie went on <laughs> substantially in the second act. I really thought up until right now, keep in mind I had trouble distinguishing between some of the main characters of this yeah, movie, yeah, yeah, yeah. that the brother, Sonny, who Sonny. gets shot yeah, up yeah, in yeah. a cool way, that he got a call from his sister yeah. saying, my husband's beating the shit out of me. Yes, yes. And he went to go answer that call. Yeah. And that's when his car got shot up. No, that's, that's, that's right. But oh. I was just saying that 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 first that scene of abuse starts with the sister picking up the phone and someone being like, "Hey, is this Carlo?" And she's like, "No, who's this?" And she's like, "A friend of Carlo's. Tell him I'm going to be late for dinner tonight." And then she goes over to her husband and says, "Dinner's ready." Clearly knowing that this is a mistress, and then she proceeds to ruin the house, saying like, "Why don't you invite your whore over?" Gotcha. Um, and then we get the phone call. Sonny gets. Yeah, no, okay, so we're we're aligned then in not understanding how he was able to, like, set right. this up. Because so it feels like that was a staged sister... phone call? Because that phone call seems like such a rookie mistake. Okay, I can't imagine <laughs> it was a staged phone call. What I truly believe is that he just... I mean, I guess maybe that makes it more authentic, but I feel like but maybe he just he beat was... the shit out of her no matter what. Right, and the fight was sort of started by him refusing... I mean, the fight, she had stuff going, but the, then she goes and tells him dinner's ready, and he's being an asshole. Like, he chooses to start the fight. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah. she plays along in such a way where it feels like, it feels strange that that was the setup and that she's the one, like, I don't know. Like, what happens in the bathroom? Does he tell her, call your brother, tell him to come help? Like, you know what I mean? Like, Probably, yeah. And he says stuff, I mean, I forgot about the whole ratting angle. When I'm watching that scene, I'm like, you idiot. You yeah. just got beaten up by this aggressive old... And now, not only are you hitting her again with your belt, or just even saying, being as rude to her as you're being, you should be nervous. Yeah. But he's also saying stuff like, he says like, oh, you should kill me. Your whole family's full of killers anyways. You know what I mean? So he yeah. is... That's one thing I can sort of applaud now is like, that sort of stuck out to me as being like, what is wrong with this guy? And now I'm realizing it's... He's, he knows, he knows yeah. what's going to go down. It's just weird. I mean, I just don't know. Like, it feels like such a contrived plan. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but I guess maybe if the idea is that they're not going to drive somewhere like that without thinking about it unless it's an emergency. Yeah. And they're kind of getting the sister to prompt that. I, I guess it's sort of smart in a way. But again, like, this is one of the instances where I feel like 
the fact that Coppola like doesn't give us a lot of information is better or worse. It's one of the parts that like made it confusing for me, yeah. <laughs> and I don't feel like I'm a total idiot. And so like there were parts in this movie where I'm like, I just don't understand. No, I think we fully understand at least that plot point as the, much as we're getting. But right, it's just, but like it's it's unclear enough that I, as I was watching, it was like, oh, did I miss something? Like, yeah, what what's going on here? Well, also you don't get the answer to that question until literally twenty minutes before the film's ending, and you sort of forget about it. Um, but when he gets shot up, I didn't think it was a setup no, necessarily at all. I was no. like, oh, shoot. Uh, you know? yeah, I've seen, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I don't know. And then um, I was, I don't know. Uh, one thing I did appreciate about, honestly, Michael's handling of what happens at the end is that it seems like he doesn't tell her, his sister, not that this is the right thing to do, but I can imagine him like justifying what her husband it. Did. Yeah. And it's just he's willing to take the blame for just killing him because he unintentionally is the reason Sonny gets killed. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, that's how she believes it. Um, I think is a very interesting character choice. And again, not necessarily the right choice, but like one, a, a, an added layer of complexity that they give the character of Michael in just a decision. I, uh, I thought it was so cool in the scene where her husband dies when he says, what, do you think I'm going to make my sister a widow? Yeah, yeah. And because that same line is, like, used earlier, you think I'm going to make that... It's something about an orphan, or, like, I'm going to okay, yeah, leave yeah. my, you know, sister's blah, blah, blah without a father or something like that. Oh, like Sonny says that. Yeah, someone's... Her. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah, right. right before he To, like, comfort her. And he does beat him up, but he doesn't kill the guy. No. And yeah. so in this moment, I was like, wow, is he really gonna, like... It, he yeah. sort of sold me. I'm like, maybe this guy's gonna get off. Yeah. Just because... Gives him the tickets. You know, yeah, he's yeah, kind yeah. of part of the family, I guess. And I was like, oh, jeez. Like, yeah. this guy's really getting out. <laughs> and then, like, they murder him in this brutal way that just felt like such a deserved comeuppance. He's one of my least... Favorite such an asshole. The whole movie. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, great. We get this great scene. Using great a little liberally in Vegas with Fredo <laughs> and Johnny Fontaine and what is it? Uh, Mo okay. Green. <laughs> okay, so, so this is another part. And again, I feel like uh, I'm not like critiquing The Godfather, right? But yeah. just as a first time viewer, I'm wondering, like. Am I supposed to understand, like, what it feels like to me watching this is, like, stuff is happening. We're given very little reason why, but it's like, all of a sudden, okay, we're in Vegas. They want to buy the casino. Michael's in charge now. Yeah. And that's just kind of what's going on. And so, like, this scene for me, it's it's not that it fell flat. Like, it was cool to see Michael, like, kind of taking the reins or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I was kind of like what are the stakes here? Like, why do we get, like, I feel like I felt like scenes almost had been deleted. Like when they say Mo Green the first time. <laughs> you don't talk with Mo Green like that. Exactly. Like, like it feels like, feels he like he's should a real be someone that I know figure. about yeah, by yeah. now. And it's not, it's just some guy. That's a good, it, it does stick out. I chalk it up to the politics of the mafia and that somehow them expanding the, to the casino is somehow going to, either start another war or going to make them more powerful and stand up against the drugs. I don't know. We are, I did gloss over a great scene of um, Vito talking to the five families. Oh. It's just Mark such a good acting scene. his butt off. Um, I don't know what I want to say about that. Um, I like the twist at the end when he says, oh, it was, he's like, oh, we're going to have to talk to 
what's his name? Brzavi, Verat, Vasari, whatever. The yeah, Barzini. Barzini. And he's like, oh, you mean Tatalia? And he goes, no, it was Barzini the whole time. I just, you know, I like that a lot. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm beautiful scene. Yeah. Another scene where it felt like, you know, as someone who has neither seen Scarface nor this movie, <laughs> I was like, not expecting, but a part of me was like, He's going to pull out like a Tommy gun and, right. and just like blow, you know, like I thought he was going to do something crazy. Because his didn't. son has just been murdered by a guy he's sitting directly across from. And it felt like the more subversive choice to not have him no, do that and to just forgive. Yeah, yeah. And like, ah, it just made you feel for the character, man. Yeah. It really yeah. did feel like he just wanted to put an end to the violence, which I thought was so beautiful. The... Uh... Another great line is when Clemenza explains how this is something that happens every five to ten years. I just thought that was again, another thing that's just like, oh, there's a rich history here of these families. Um, there's kind of, the, the way they introduce the families is kind of funny, too, because it felt almost like a precursor to those scenes you'll see in, like, animated movies, like, toward the climax at the end where everyone is introduced with, like, a cool name. Yeah. And it's like... This guy from, from the Republic, yeah, 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 you know yeah. this guy Stand from Brooklyn, yeah, and like yeah, yeah. the camera kind of like will cut to them, and it was like the pacing was just a little bit slower than that <laughs> kind of thing. It wasn't though, yeah. Cool move to not um, put the camera on Brando though for the beginning of that monologue. I thought that was cool. Yeah, it's funny. I was just watching last night. I watched an episode of uh, the show Moon Knight. Yeah, I think it was the third episode, and they have a scene that. I was watching this and I was like, this kind of reminds me of Moon Knight last night. And I'm sure they took cues from it. It's just one of those scenes where it's like all these um, figureheads, you know, mm-hmm. meeting together at a table and talking. And Moon Knight, it's Egyptian gods. This one, it's, but uh, you can sort of see the, yeah, it's just funny. Major spoilers for Moon Knight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Major spoilers for if Moon Knight. If you don't want Moon Knight three. to be spoiled, just <laughs> skip the I'm past way behind on series two, so. Um, uh, one thing I wanted to bring up, Fredo's the older brother? Yeah, that was crazy. <laughs> crazy revelation. That, that only gets explained then. Fredo looks like Neil Hamburger. Yes. Neil Hamburger, a fan of... Who, who, who we're a huge fan of. The uh, comedian, yeah. Fredo, I couldn't believe this guy. He's, you know, he's the major influence for Colin Farrell's performance as the Penguin in the new Batman. Totally movie. makes sense. Yeah. It was a big... Even the look, the haircut is the exact same. I, I, is he in the second movie more? Or all of these characters that be. are like... Right? I just don't know the extent to which it's mostly a prequel or not. Oh no, it's yeah, he's the it's it's I think the way I imagine it is 50% of it's a prequel, 50% of it is modern. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of current stuff going on with Mike Carlson. And the third one I think is strictly current. Um, but I'm pretty sure that all those characters who are still around return for the the second part. I'd be surprised if Clemenza isn't back. I'd be surprised if and then a whole smattering of new characters too Robert Duvall isn't in the third one though I think I think that's the big um mm. casting um yeah uh Fred is just sort of a funny guy and I like when Michael scolds him especially suddenly no- realizing he's the older brother yeah is just such a it almost feels like a joke but like you'd think they'd deal more with that it's yeah that that whole Vegas scene yeah it's just a funny scene I I mean, this is the point in the movie. Again, the movie didn't ever lose me. Yeah. Um, this is the olive oil scene, too. Yeah, I just started to feel like, okay, I kind of feel like, you know, we get it. Michael's becoming the godfather. They're going to put the title up at the end. It's going to have been full <laughs> circle. I get it. And um, 
I don't want to say the movie is front loaded, but I do think yeah. that like the back half of the movie, I was kind of like less interested. It's weaker. In. It's, yeah, yeah I, was, I thought the same thing. Also, around now is when the timeline really started playing tricks with me. Yeah. This is when you realize he has a three year old son. Yeah, three years old, and yeah. he's they're baptizing his sister's. Yeah, which she was pregnant with him. Unless this is a sibling. It felt like she was pregnant for about a thousand years. Yeah, and so... I'm sure the timeline makes sense. Like, I actually believe yeah, it must be another kid. be as highly regarded if the timeline just, like, <laughs> didn't add up. But I was racking my brain for possible explanations as deep as, like, oh, at one point when Michael and Kate see each other, she goes, it's too late. Was she married to someone else? And this is a kid from her prior <laughs> marriage. I was trying to figure it out because it was yeah. so bothering no, me because I knew she, his also, sister's she kid was about to get baptized. Why did yeah. she walk? Okay. Oh, maybe not. I just always thought she was. Yeah, I don't know. I just didn't know. <laughs> you know, interesting occupation. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's what I mean. There's not a lot about her and her. Yeah, I no, I, I, didn't, I didn't love I, her. I didn't need it. That yeah. much. Um, she was no whatever the Italian girl's name was. Apple. <laughs> there, there, there were sparks between him and Apple. And I will say in the part where he asks what her name is and the guy says it in this heavy Italian yeah. accent, I wasn't confident that what he had just said was a name. I was like, <laughs> I have no idea as to what this guy just said. That's a great scene too where you yeah. realize it's his daughter. Oh, so good. I wanted, maybe, I think this is probably just like our modern sensibility, but yeah. I felt like... Um, like what they were saying about her almost should have been like a little dirtier because like really what they were saying was like super complimentary and respectful, super complimentary. There was nothing about her body. There was nothing like really sexual. Well, about although at one point, but he, he but mimes. it's him doing that. It's the, it's dad. the dad. Yeah. Right. Right. You know? Right. So I was like, I mean, really like they didn't, they didn't say much. For two henchmen. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you expect them to say something kind of like blue. And right. uh, I felt like they were it's pretty clean. They were like, wow, she's really beautiful. You know, <laughs> she's got a great smile and beautiful eyes. He's like, I'm going to kill the you. Eyes, the eyes, yeah. the dress, purple dress. Yeah, purple dress. Oh, God forbid somebody says that my daughter's in a dress, you know, it's the color that it is. I don't know. That's funny. Anyway, That's a funny point. Uh, the movie progresses toward a climax. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to think. I mean, I love the scene where um, Vito passes away yeah. playing with his, his grandson. I think Beautiful that like, it's just such a sweet. Um, and the shot again, like there's just something about these shots when we see his body in like yeah. the plants and he's just laying there and the kids running around him. I mean, it yeah. just, there's something about it. It's a beautiful shot. And it always, it'll never not make me laugh when he first puts the teeth in the yeah. engine and the kid starts crying yeah. and then he instantly starts apologizing. And, and it's just such a real, that in the scene where he's talking to Michael, really one of the only one-on-one Michael Vito oh. scenes and he's talking about how he didn't want this to be his life. There's a moment where he says, oh, you'll have to do this. And Michael goes, I already did that. And he's like, oh, I forgot. It's such a, like, you know, we've all interacted with elderly family members. Like, it's such a real, like, yeah, that's something. The difference is they're talking about crime, and, you yeah. know, the family business. But it's just like the way Brando plays that is like, oh, I forgot about that. It's just like, I don't know. That's just something I can imagine my grandparents reacting to no, totally. you know and he's um, kind of apologetic like he's not so apolog- yeah this domineering patriarchal figure that you yeah. would expect given the title of the movie <laughs> he really is like someone who cares a lot about his family yeah wants people to be protected 
and ultimately I think starts to realize the error in some of his ways toward the end of the movie. I think it's very beautiful. He literally apologizes to Michael at one point for continuing to talk about Michael's what is Michael's assassination yeah. <laughs> attempt? Yeah, he's like, sorry, he's like, yeah, I shut up. Keep bringing this, this up, yeah. but it's like he's talking about it's an old habit. Like, yeah, he just felt like a very good dad. Yeah, which is there's one moment that sort of felt like oh the mobster in him where he talks about how when he is showing some regret for the line of work he 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 fell into he talks about how he refuses to be a fool who's you know he says something derogatory about you know a career where you've got a boss or you've got your yeah. held by string. There was just one moment where you sort of see the claws come out about like, yeah, he's not ashamed about, you know, he wishes it was a safer line of work, I'm sure. But he says like, no, I'm not doing that. That's, that's, I have respect for myself. Yeah. I'm not going to do one of those more legitimate professions. Um, yeah. So then he dies, he kicks the bucket in front of his grandson, <laughs> funny acting of the grandson, just sort of yeah. staring at him and laughing and then walking away. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was cool, man. There was like a real, it felt like how something would actually go down. It felt like a very awkward, real yeah. death. Yes, yes, yes. Tell me about, oh, we haven't gotten to that yet. You know what I like a lot? Did you clock the whole like, it's going to be someone you trust. And then yeah. at the funeral, figuring out who it was. Yes. Great, great. I mean, it was, I, they set that up really well. I liked the moment, you know, he instantly knew, Yeah. you know, and you could see Michael realize, okay, this guy's a traitor. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, very cool. Very cool. I also thought, um, I don't think the climax, um, was as cool as some of the earlier scenes in the movie, but I do think it was still the very baptism. effective. Yeah. yeah the yeah, baptism yeah, scene. Great. Classic. The juxtaposition of the lines, the baptism of like, <laughs> what's happening. Satan. Like, yeah. it's cool, right? Um, and again, I don't think any of the visuals are like quite as interesting as some of like the visuals that we sure. get earlier in the movie individually, but it's a really cool sequence. One thing about the funeral I want to bring up before we continue is uh, we mentioned last week the Green Hornet. It's a scene in the Green Hornet which reflects this funeral scene in it. So, yeah, when we get to that, don't say I didn't warn you. Um, <laughs> I agree. Baptism, great. Um, confused about what kid it is, but um, and we got a lot of Godfathers in that scene. I think in terms of our Godfather. Oh account. my gosh! Yeah. Um, I also didn't realize like Godfathers speak for the kid in the baptism. As someone who has very little exposure oh, to the Catholic Church, I think that's what he's doing because they're like, "Do you believe in God? Do you this? Do you want to be baptized?" And then they baptize the kid. Right, right, right. I didn't notice they asked. Like, is Michael me. not baptized? <laughs> And yet he's expressing faith in the Catholic Church. This is strange. Was all of that happening during the baptism? I think it was. Because they say it's going to happen after. But then the well, guy He says after he's going to go deal with Barzini or whatever, right? So, or right. go to Brooklyn okay. or something. Right, which is the plan. Which I guess we don't see. I don't know. Maybe you're right. No, Again, I think because the then the guy rushes up to him afterwards and it's pretty much you see mm-hmm. everything that happens immediately. I liked the that. death of... Uh, Tessio. Yeah, again, Amazing. I don't know anyone's One of name. my favorite scenes. He's so resigned to it. That's the thing. His acting is off the charts good. You just... He, he's a guy who has sad eyes perpetually throughout the movie. <laughs> but... Oh, when Tom goes, I can't go too. I can't go either, Tessio. Just like... Yep. Of, he, he doesn't even re- care to keep the charade up. He's just going like, I can't do this either. It's so clear what's going to happen to him. And he says, you know, tell him it was never personal. It's um, just business. And then he does try to sort of weasel his way out of it, but then, yeah, it's no go. Yeah, and he, I mean, it's so inevitable for him. Like, he's spent so much time with him, he knows he's going to die. Yeah. 
And like I, when I was watching it, I felt like, I mean, you're not going to like run or, you know, like you're not going to, and just the fact that he doesn't, I think is so telling, you know? I did also, I should mention in the funeral, I, I, I was kind of hurt that it was one of those two guys. Mm. Um, which just again shows you how much of a family they built up where, you know, not hurt, but just like, I was like, oh, how could you, you know? Um, uh, yeah, he says it's only business. Um, yeah, and then we have the great, we talked about the Carlo getting murdered, getting bumped off by yeah. Michael. It was a great um, scene. Great scene, his feet kicking out of the, oh. especially you see a guy like Luca Razi taking the same exact sort of way out, uh, getting strangled from, and he, you know, he's so much, he handles it so much more, yeah, calm's not the word, yeah. but like, you, you kind of, re- yeah, I remember being surprised with how violent that second oh. Strangulation. It's such a was. cool shot, you know. Yeah, the car starts driving, which is super <laughs> weird. Yeah. I was like, why? <laughs> why would you add that? Why would you do that? Are you not yeah. afraid you're going to like get kicked or something? It felt very unsafe. Yeah. Um, and that brings us to the last scene of the movie. I want to hear your uh, your thoughts on this. I mean, the last scene. Did you realize Michael was the main character by this? <laughs> <laughs> you know, gradually I had started to put it together by the last scene when he's, you know, clearly in the center of the shot for about 10 consecutive minutes. I finally realized, oh, this guy's supposed to be the main character. It's not about Brando. Um, I like that he lies to his wife. Was not right. expecting that. That whole Did you scene. think he was going to tell her the truth? When he was I, like, yeah, just I did, this once? you know. Oh, it's crushing. Or I thought that he was going to let her ask, and then he was going to, like, I don't know, slap her or something. But I really hoped he didn't do that. Because he just, slaps the day. You get yeah, the, he seemed the very angry. I, I, I didn't know yeah. what he was going to do, which I yeah. think is um, part of what makes the performance so cool. I love just the way that the, the shot at the end sure. like yeah, mirrors yeah. the type of shots that we're getting in the beginning of you point, I didn't notice that, yeah, until you pointed that out. Yeah, and, you know, when they, they close the door, the transition to credits is just so yeah. clean. Like, and... Again, I was aware for a while at this point the kind of thing they were going for. Yeah. Um, but it still worked, you know? When you see him in that room and totally. someone comes in and I think they, like, kiss his hand or whatever. Like, yeah, it just... Yeah, yeah. You you feel like this is a story that's going to continue and, and you want to see it happen. And yeah. I don't know. It was a very effective, like, final scene, I think. Yeah. One thing... Uh... You know, because I don't want to puncture this scene at all. I love this last scene. I think it's a yes. perfect final scene. And, I, you know, something I, I have seared into my memory. Something I sort of noticed this time. So they have this... see <laughs> smiling already. They have this really intimate conversation that seems very personal. Yeah. And she leaves, and then there are guys that are in the room the whole time. Yeah, I don't know. That, that's very weird. And I guess we don't see them. I feel like we saw them at the very beginning because he's when she bursts into the room. I mean, if, I just assume they left. If that's what's happening, is there any way it's a callback? Because earlier there's this awkward scene where Brando, you know, Vito Corleone, is talking to the singer guy. What's his name? Johnny Fontaine. He's talking to Johnny Fontaine and he's kind of slapping him around. He's like, good yeah, man, don't like work. And it seems like this conversation between them. And then is it like the camera moves around for Fontaine to leave? Like there's three guys just kind of like sitting laughing. in the back yeah, of the room. Yeah, yeah. Someone comes in. So maybe that's just the uh, the hallmark of a godfather. Is once you're a godfather, there's always going to be some like 
crusty looking Italian guys just like <laughs> hanging around your quarters. Even for your mo- personal moments with your wife where you and sister dress her down and yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. I was honestly like, is there another door into the room? That I mean, I guess maybe it would make sense because I think his sister kind of bursts in. Right, that's what I mean. I think you see them at the beginning of that scene, yeah. but I just always assume they leave. But I guess they're, they're just like, no, we... I mean, it's necessary. It's business, man. Yeah. But it's, it's not personal. <laughs> it's not personal. Nothing is personal. It's all business. It's all business. And we get the credits. Same font. It's same font. Fantastic font. Fantastic font. I think all movies should have a font. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I really agree. do. I mean... Agreed. You know, it's so it's so iconic, and it was cool to see, like, even from the very beginning of this movie, the font, you know? It's just like, they made some real choices, and yeah. they worked out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's that's uh, as comprehensive as we're going to get for... Uh, Breakdown. Any scenes you any scenes you? They, I, feel I, like I feel like I've talked about all the scenes that I really wanted to talk about. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very cool to be able to finally say that I've seen The Godfather. Yeah, it's gonna get you. It goes a long way. You'll find out. It's, um, I still can't believe I haven't seen the second one because yeah, um, it's one of those rare sequels that people say it might be better. People say it might be better, and people say it's just you know at the very least just as good or deserve it deserves a sequel. You know. Yeah. Um, I just can only imagine what that was like back then. I was thinking about that during the movie to be like the mix of anticipation and, and fear and skepticism that must have circulated the second one's release. Like, because this movie was recognized when it came out as for being as good as it was. So I just can't imagine what that, what kind of pressure that has. You know, I can't think of any more contemporary equivalent. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, I. I uh, Honestly, Star Wars, maybe? That's not more contemporary, but just for yeah. thinking about the Coppola-Lucas friendship, it's funny that both of them had these groundbreaking movies followed up with a sequel that's just as good, you know? What I do think is interesting is the way that this movie, like, and it probably is, like, just indicative of the, I don't know what you call it, the golden age of yeah. cinema or whatever, the way that this movie combines, like, pop appeal with, like, art. Like, it is incredibly artistic. The performances right. are, you know, it won awards, right? Yeah. I mean, they deserve to win awards. Yeah. And so I feel like I can't think of a time in recent history when a movie that's, like, both this artistic at every level yeah. and, like, digestible and yeah, yeah, yeah. action-filled enough to, like, really get people to want to see it has come out. And I'm probably just, like, forgetting things. But it, it feels like now you kind of have, like, more art films and, you know, kind of pop movies. Totally, yeah. And, uh, you know, this one, like, the fact that The Godfather has come to be known as, like, kind of a bro movie is sort of, like, <laughs> I think a testament to the fact that it really is, like, on a plot level engaging. Like, yeah. it moves, the scenes are good, which is not something you get with, like, a lot of modern uh, art films. We've talked a lot about the Oscars, not on the podcast, but just yeah. into how it's 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 needs to merge that divide between art house and popular movie. Um, it seems like the kind of movie, like you're saying, that they would they're wishing would be made where they everyone can agree on it. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. There's not a lot of those. We'll get into. It. I mean, we're gonna have to review all of the Oscars. 
Yeah. Well, not this, only the, all of the Oscar movies, but all of the... No, the, the Oscar. Movies. That's what I mean, the ceremony. <laughs> <laughs> I have to review all of the Oscar, the Oscar ceremonies. ceremonies. So I have to decide if we'll have to do that as, like, one episode. Oh, we review yeah. the Oscars. If that's or a season. We do. Or, yeah, yeah, I guess one season could be all of the Oscars, which would be crazy. We'll figure out the, the rules for that. And then you got to wonder, can we rate the Oscars in a fair way? Without having seen all of the movies that were up for all of the nominations. Or are we just going to have to wait for it? We're going to have to save the award shows. Until we've seen all the, the films. End. Yeah. I don't know. I also have no idea how we're going to find these because it's not like there's an archive. It's not like they're not on Netflix. Yeah, yeah, anyway, we'll, worry. we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Um, Look forward to Oscar season. <laughs> let's get into final thoughts, final analysis. All right, so um, who was your Christopher Maloney in The Godfather? Oh, Seam Stealer, my Christopher Maloney. Uh, look, it's got to be Brando for me in the Christopher Maloney way where, you know, we'll figure out the definitions of these terms as we move on. I like that we're sticking with the Maloney because listeners from, you know, remember last time Christopher Maloney stole the show for Cole and I, you know, I... It's you not as like much for me, but I recognize theory. it. I, mean, I feel like Camp Counselor Award doesn't have the same no, ring no, to no, it. No, I think you're. I think you're right. <laughs> camp Counselor, <laughs> Camp Director. Like camp, yeah, yeah, I mean, no, but this is Camp Director will be more. Will be reserved more for the cameo. You know. Yeah, like I a think cameo. if we use that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think it's a Brando's the Christopher Maloney in that like, look, Pacino's acting his ass off, and I can appreciate that. But Brando's just a little more fun to watch for me, whereas I respect Pacino's performance more. And Christopher Maloney, I like that. I liked him in that because he was fun to watch. You know? Yeah, no. I mean, as much as I like Pacino in this movie, I don't think I can really disagree with the fact really? that... Yeah, I, I, you know, I think Brando... Uh, I'll be interested to see what I think of Brando in the future. I feel like this yeah. is the first time I've really seen him act, right? And so yeah, 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 yeah. I wonder, will his shtick wear thin? Because I found his performance really impressive. Um, but that sort of is like contingent on my understanding is that this is not much like Brando looks yeah, right, or talks right. in real life, that he's like doing a lot for the role. And I do think he pulls it off and it's just fun to watch. If I think yeah. about the scenes that I want to go back and like rewatch, he's in, a lot of them. he's in all of them. Except for the restaurant. Well, no, how can I say this? There's scenes I want to rewatch that don't have him in it, but I would rewatch all of the scenes that do have him in it, which is to say sure. that like every scene sure, with him in yeah. it is like elevated enough by his presence totally, for me to want to go back totally. and watch it. And then like some of the Pacino scenes are awesome. Yeah, he's he's. I, I would so Brando, agree with that. I've heard some sketchy shit about you um, <laughs> yeah. come out after your death, but I, I can't deny that you are. The Christopher Maloney of The Godfather. <laughs> we gotta watch. I'm looking forward to when we watch Apocalypse Now because his he has a performance in that which very divisive. I think I might have had to watch a YouTube video of so it. you sort of know what his vibe is. Gibson had us watch it. Our friend Gibson, who maybe <laughs> we'll get him to do the Apocalypse Now episode on a acting for film class. He had yeah, to choose yeah, yeah. it. He chose it as like an example of good acting. Yeah, and in my mind, he's just like covered in oil, yeah. like in a tent. Bald. Some people hate that. Not hate, some people really disagree with. Yeah, I'm excited. So that, but yeah. Uh, yeah, Brando, you did good in The Godfather. Christopher, he's Christopher Maloney. Uh, there was another sort of... Well, if you had to describe The Godfather in one word. No, oh, yeah, I was definitely thinking about that. I have a really good one yeah, that I first? don't go think first. you can disagree with. No, I'm going to go second because okay. I think that it will be my word. My word, rich... Mm. 
or novelistic. Okay. I think novelistic's a little too specific almost. Yeah. So I'll go with rich for just being a, a broader word. What's yours? Godfather. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> I, I can't disagree with it, but I'm a little disappointed. No, I mean, I, I, I brought up some of the words that came in. I was thinking, you know, epic, but, you know, I think we'll, we'll see movies that are more epic. I yeah. think, debatably, we might see a movie that's more novelistic. Chapters is good. I don't think I'll ever see a movie that's more Godfather until maybe Godfather <laughs> 2. Yeah, there's two Godfathers in that one. Um, Shit, well, there's two Godfathers in this one. <laughs> that's true. Um, Has the time come? No, no, no. I have more questions. Uh, what do you think... What do you think was the worst, your least favorite aspect of this movie? The weakest uh, chain. I mean, I... Weakest link, sorry. I think just the timeline is, yeah, like, in the beef. editing is, like, it, it did inhibit my understanding of the movie. Yeah. Um, so I think that would probably have to be my beef with it because individually at the scene level, even the most, like, boring scenes in the movie weren't that boring to me like I actually enjoyed watching pretty much every scene that there was yeah and I felt like each scene kind of carried with it um a sense that anything could happen Coppola established that very early on and so I was always excited to be watching the individual scenes but it took me longer to orient myself in the world of each scene sure because I had no idea when it was (laughs) and I had some like questions frankly about like who these characters were if I'd missed important information about the ways that they were interacting. And uh, I don't know the degree to which I would want that to be addressed because I always like prefer when directors don't, you know, when they don't talk down to their audience. But in this case, I was like a little confused by what was going on in the back half. And I, again, I understood the plot movements enough. I don't think it necessarily like stopped me from enjoying it, Yeah, yeah, but it, I would, Verge on saying that I think it was like a flaw. Yeah, I, I, I think I mostly agree with that. Now, what? Um, let's do the rank. The not the rank. The uh, the rating for you. Um, okay. I don't know what scale you want to use. I'll give you the pick of the litter. Eventually, we'll try can't, to find a. Uh, can't remember what I did one. last time, but I'll probably just do one to a hundred. Sure. I'm thinking. Okay. And. Uh, I believe I gave Hurricane of Fun like a 63. Yeah. And Hurricane of Fun, rice, you know I love you. Rice, yeah. I don't think much artistry went into the making of Hurricane of Fun. This movie, I do believe it was the work of an artist. I have immense respect for Coppola specifically after watching it. Um, I don't think it failed to live up to the hype. I think it... I don't know that it could live up to the hype because of what the hype is. Yeah. But saying that, I also don't want to say that it, it didn't live up to the hype. I just think <laughs> I'm glad to have seen it now. Yeah. I understand why it has the hype that it has. Um, to the extent that The Godfather's like referenced as the perfect movie. It's got like a hundred meta score, and I think people talk wow. about it a lot as like the perfect movie. Do I believe it to be a perfect movie? No. I would say I probably think it's like a... I'd give it like a 93 or a 95. Yeah. Um, it is like in the top tier of movies I've ever seen. Yeah. Ah, but shit, if it's all media. 
I might have to say that it's oh, like, wow. it, I, it, it's, that. I think yeah. it's high might be like a 90 for me. Cause I do believe it's like a beautifully constructed movie that for me had a couple of weird quirks that inhibited my enjoyment of it. I don't know if it's going to be able to, like if I established Godfather was a 95, there's only five points higher than the Godfather for, for like piece of media. the most beautiful paintings in existence, yeah, you know, for yeah, like yeah. a brilliant novel that I think, I, I don't think that this is flawless in some point. of those ways. So I, I think I'm going to give it a high of like 90. Um, I want to acknowledge that I really enjoyed the movie and I, I didn't find it disappointing. I'll give it a 94. Great. I think. Um, I would have given it something much higher, actually just a couple points higher until you pointed out, yeah, we're not just ranking it against other movies, but every piece of media in existence. So yeah, I'm, I'm airing more on the side of low 90s than high, but yeah. Um, well, I guess it's no secret then where we would rank it, right? Yeah, I mean, it has to be hurricane of fun unfortunately <laughs> so the current ranking of all media ever created is number one the best is hurricane of fun <laughs> <laughs> the best is the godfather yeah. directed by francis ford coppola a film and the second is also a film hurricane of fun the making of wet hot directed by amy rice amy rice so the Godfather is the best movie, best piece of media ever right now. Ever created, yeah. And Hurricane of Fun is the worst. It is the worst piece of media ever created. So and I'm sure can't argue with that. <laughs> no, no. Uh, yeah. And what's interesting is I actually feel like probably for a while the Godfather, the Godfather is going to be the best piece of media ever created, and Hurricane of Fun the worst. So based on what we're looking at ahead of us, you might be right. Yeah, yeah I could see um, oh, a novel that we've yeah, talked yeah. about. Reviewing potentially unseating The Godfather? Not for me. We'll see. We'll see. That's the exciting part. Yeah, we'll I see. get to say things and maybe I'll eat my words. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Weeks. I think, uh, man, The Godfather is The Godfather. And um, it's hilarious that we've just done a podcast on it. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, we had to at some point. I'm not, I think we have some good points in there. I, I, I liked our dynamic as someone who has seen it for the third time and someone who's seen it for the first time. Um, pointed out some things I didn't notice, especially in the, the realm of symbolism, um, which I appreciated and uh, not ready to see it for the fourth time yet. But uh, Yeah. Yeah. Um, listeners, if any of you know the answers to any of our questions, if we're just total idiots about some of these Godfather plot, <laughs> I won't call them plot holes, but plot questions that, that we've expressed, please write in, let us know. We will yeah. uh, air those answers because I think both Jacob and I are very interested in, in knowing the answers. We, we don't want them to beloved. be bad. No. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so much thought clearly went into the movie that I struggle to think no thought went into these questions that we're having. Yeah. Um, I will say even... So, no matter what the answers are, I still do believe that it's kind of unnecessarily confusing at points um, on a first watch. But You know, we're going to have to figure out with these rankings eventually how much um, personal sort of subjective ver factors into the objective, you know? Yeah. Um, because I, I, it is not my favorite movie or piece mm. of media, but it is... I can recognize it as being better than some things I prefer to it. So That's we'll interesting. have to figure that out. I think maybe we just need to trust each other to balance out. For the final right? The preference thing. Yeah. You know? Like, I think you can come into something. Like, if you think 
something's better than The Godfather, like if something's a 96 to you, yeah, I think you can go, come at it as a 96, and it's my job to talk you down. And if, yeah. if I can't, you know, or if I also believe that that thing is a 96, then I think it just is. I also will say, I just want to end this by pointing out that if we're ranking all media ever, there will be a lot of chaff at the bottom. And so yeah. I, I was sort of thinking about it right now as like, oh, in consideration of all media ever, it's hard for The Godfather to go above a 90. But if you think about like commercials, most posters, stuff is bad. most stuff is really bad. Yeah. And so, I don't know, maybe there's an argument for, for things to go even higher. Like the rare gems that we are discussing right. here initially at the outset of this podcast. <laughs> maybe they do, but you know, maybe it's not crazy to say that The Godfather's like a 97 when you consider that, you know, like a seven is like an ad for the McRib again. Right, 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 right. Good point, good point. Also, just imagining, you know, how much Godfather content we're going to have to indulge in. Because, you know, there's a handful of documentaries, I'm sure, about the making of The Godfather. You know, the new show, The Offer, is coming out on We have Paramount a couple Plus. books about it here. A couple books about it, <laughs> right. We can finally, yeah. So, it would have been good to reference those before <laughs> making this episode. <laughs> but, you know, this is, this is, yeah, this is... Exhausted the topic. Oh, we def- yeah, we've definitely exhausted it. Um, this has been Media Said What. I'm Cole. I'm Jacob. And good night. <laughs> <laughs>